You could be finding the little book of Micah uh, this morning, uh, the end of, end of the New Te- uh, Old Testament. Micah, right after Jonah, before Nahum. It might be a book that you don't turn to perhaps uh, uh, very often. Micah chapter 5, and we'll be there in just a few minutes. Standing almost six foot four, weighing nearly 300 pounds, Phillips Brooks was no doubt an imposing figure. Six four, 300 pounds. But no need to fear because Phillips Brooks, it seems, was a gentle giant. Though never married, he loved children. You could find this gentle giant on the floor of his study playing with children and the toys that he kept just for them. The story is actually told of a five-year-old girl who was upset because she had not seen her friend, uh, Pastor Brooks, for several days. Her mother explained to her that Brooks had died and had gone to heaven. And that five-year-old little girl said these words, Oh, Mama, how happy the angels will be. But there's much more to Phillips Brooks' story than his love of children and the fact that he was a pastor. Uh, In fact, Phillips Brooks was known as the prince of the pulpit in his day. He's also considered by some to be the greatest American preacher of the 19th century. When he released his first volume of sermons back in 1878, it sold 200,000 copies, and it's still read and studied today. Phillips Brooks became the pastor of Holy Trinity Church in Philadelphia in 1861. The church flourished under his leadership, but these were not easy days for our nation, 1861 and those years following. Listen to the words of the author Ace Collins. He said, yet even as Holy Trinity grew and his fame spread far and wide, Brooks was growing physically and spiritually tired. By 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, the national spirit was dying almost as quickly as the soldiers in the battlefields. Everyone knew someone who had been killed or gravely injured in the conflict. Scores of women in the church wore black as they mourned the loss of a husband or son. While the preacher tried to fight it, darkness fell over every facet of the services. Brooks was severely taxed each time he stood in front of the congregation. They wanted him to be inspirational, to believe that the good things in life they had once known would someday be theirs again. They wanted an end to the war. Yet even though he made a valiant effort, the preacher couldn't give his flock what they needed most, which was peace. When the war finally ended, the visibly fatigued Brooks felt that the sweetness of life and soul would return to his flock. Yet the pain only intensified as President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Fast forward just a little bit in his attempt to rediscover and restore his own faith. Uh, Brooks left the pulpit to visit the Holy Land. It was a trip that dramatically changed his life and renewed his calling. In fact, beloved, that trip that he took to the Holy Land not only blessed his life, it blessed ours as well. It was December the 24th, 1865. Uh, Brooks had slipped off and had joined and began uh, there attending a five-hour Christmas service that was held at the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. Here's what he wrote concerning that night and that event. He said, I remember standing in the old church in Bethlehem 
close to the spot where Jesus was born. When the whole church was ringing hour after hour with splendid hymns of praise to God. How again and again it seemed as if I could hear voices I knew well telling each other of the wonderful night of the Savior's birth. Three years later, 1868, Phillips Brooks penned these words. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You see, traveling to Bethlehem refreshed him, body and soul. And this morning, we too want to travel to Bethlehem. Perhaps you came in today, and if you're honest, you say, listen, I'm weary, I'm worn. You're tired. Perhaps you're tired physically. Perhaps you're tired emotionally. Perhaps you're tired spiritually. Perhaps all the trimmings and trappings of this Christmas season has you breathless and weary. You're worn out. You're exhausted. You're tired. Well, I want to invite you to take a trip with me today. Would you go with me to Bethlehem? To a simpler time, to a simpler place. There are no cars. There are no electric lights. There's no Internet, no smartphones, no texting, no buzzing, no beeping. None of those things we're so accustomed to. There's not even any music in the elevators as you go around. Just a still night in a small town, Bethlehem. I want to read to you today the story from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. I'm not going to ask you to turn there today if you would stay in Micah. Because what I want to do is I want to read it today and I want you to hear it. And I want you to hear it perhaps with fresh ears and hopefully new wonder. To consider again the familiar story that we read in the Bible concerning the coming of our Savior. I want you to hear it afresh and anew today. Then after we hear it, we'll pray and then we'll make our way to Micah. Would you listen as I read first from Luke and then from Matthew? Just just take it in as if it's the very first time you've ever heard it. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Matthew says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring word back to me that I may come and worship him also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this account in your word. It has become so familiar to us as we've read it and heard it year after year. Lord, forgive us for becoming accustomed to your truth. Help us, Father, to realize just what greatness we read about here in these passages. A simple story, but the greatest story ever told. The greatest story that's ever happened. A true story. Father, I pray that you would quiet our hearts and remove the distractions and help us today as we consider Bethlehem. As we consider the one born in Bethlehem, the Savior. Father, I pray for each one here. Is there some that maybe are tired and weary and worn? I pray it might refresh them today. I pray for some who may not know you that today, this hour, would be the hour they come to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We ask this now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Many of you know, but perhaps we have some visiting. We're considering the Christmas carols, various Christmas carols uh, during this Christmas season together. And we're using the carols to drive us back to the Bible and consider the truths that the carols give to us. And today, of course, is O little town of Bethlehem. And this beloved carol is, of course, set in Bethlehem and inspired by a visit to Bethlehem. But, you know, long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Bible tells that it's going to happen, exactly where it's going to happen. And it's found in that little book I ask you to find, Micah, chapter 5. 700 years before Jesus would actually be born and placed in that manger, Micah tells us all about it. Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. The Bible says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now think about that. Don't close it up. We're going to be looking at that verse today. Micah tells us there, 700 years before it happened, exactly where the Lord Jesus would be born. In fact, we know when Herod calls in his counselors and his wise people and says, where is he going to be born? We read there, didn't we? It says, they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. They looked back and said, well, Micah says it's going to happen in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem means house of bread, house of bread. How fitting that the Savior was born in the house of bread. When you consider what he says about himself in the Gospel of John, chapter six, verse 40, 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
In fact, John 6:51 says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And so we have the bread of life being born in the house of bread. Ephrata means fruitful. And of course, we know much fruit has come from that place. But as far as Bethlehem is concerned, Bethlehem wasn't much. We read about Bethlehem several times in the Old Testament. We see many things happen in Bethlehem. But as far as towns are concerned, it was insignificant. Uh, But God chose it. And Micah tells us here about the one who's going to be born. In fact, in that one verse of Scripture, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we see the humanity of Jesus Christ mentioned. If you look at the verse again, it says, Out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. We know that Jesus came and he was born and he was robed in flesh. Now, listen, don't misunderstand. That was not the beginning of Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus has always been eternal. But at that point in human history, he stepped out of eternity. He stepped out of the glories of heaven and he robed himself in flesh. And Micah says he will be ruler in Israel. Now, we look at the news now and we say, my goodness, look at what's going on in Israel. Look at what's going on in the Middle East. We say it doesn't look like Jesus is ruling. Well, listen, Jesus is ruler. He is coming again. He will rule. He will reign. He is the ruler in Israel. So we say it looks like today. Oh, everything's. Listen, he's coming again. He is ruler. We see his humanity there. But Micah also mentions his deity. Did you notice the last part of Micah chapter five, verse two? It says, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. See, that's the eternity. That's the God man. Perfect God. Perfect man joined together. Emmanuel. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. The carol that we're studying today, O little town of Bethlehem, reminds us of some of the circumstances of his coming. We're reminded that angels announced his birth. One verse goes like this. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together. There's the angelic host. Oh, morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God, the king and peace to men on earth. You know, we're doing things a little differently this Christmas season. We're taking hymns and we're taking the scripture. And we're looking at them side by side. And, and as I studied that carol, you know what I was really struck with? I was struck with the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not come with great pomp or fanfare. I understand the news tells us that Prince William and Kate are expecting. Did you all know that? They're expecting. And I can guarantee that the birth of their child will be news fodder for many months, if not years to come. And the world will watch with bated breath to see that baby that is born to Prince William and Kate. And they'll hang on every single word and every single step. 
And it's already in the news and there's been tragedy connected with it and all kinds of stuff. Because here you have these rulers, this monarchy and wow, they're going to have a baby. But here we have the one king of kings, lord of lords, and he's born in a place where animals are kept and he's laid in the animal's food trough. I was struck with how the third verse says it this way. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. What is the Christmas story? When you look at the circumstances, just a couple who arrived too late to find a room in the inn. Given shelter in a stable to give birth to the Savior. Where animals are kept and lay them in an animal's food trough. That's how Jesus came. But you know what? Just as he was born in that place so long ago, beloved, he could come into our lives. He desires to do that. Listen to the rest of that verse from the carol. No ear may hear his coming. Listen. But in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. What was it the angels told so long ago as they announced his birth? Then the angel said to them, Luke tells us, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, in Bethlehem, in that little town, God gave us a glorious gift. He gave us his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I wonder today, friend, have you received God's glorious, gracious gift of his son? You see, the carol writer, Phillips Brooks, said it this way. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin. And enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. You see, this gift that God gave, it's yours for the taking. It's yours. If you'll receive him by grace through faith. Romans tells us this way, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, friend, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never received the Lord Jesus, today is the day of salvation. You can receive that gift today. And I pray you will. Now, what about us who've already done that? We've received that gift, and yet today we're tired. We're weary. We're redeemed, but we're struggling. We're a lot like Phillips Brooks. We're we're struggling along. What about us today? Well, I want you to think for just a few moments about this gift. The greatest gift ever given, and it's yours. It's yours. As the song ends, he's our Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. As a child of God, we have literally God, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us. Now, sometimes what we need to do, Christian, is we need to just get out of the hustle and bustle of life and spend some time at Jesus's feet. Thinking about him, thanking him. 
praising him for his goodness, praising him for his gift, praising him for his blessing. I don't know about you, but many people at Christmas time, they make it a point to be with their loved ones. Maybe some make it a point not to be with their loved ones. I'm not sure. But many people make it a point to be with their loved ones at Christmas time. And so what they do is they get their calendars out and they plan out their gatherings. And we're going to go here on Saturday and here on Friday. And plans are made and parties are attended. And all that's good and all that's proper. But I wonder, beloved, what about the Savior? Have you planned any special time with Jesus this Christmas season? I mean, I mean... What are we celebrating? We're celebrating his birthday, right? His birth. And yet many times we look at our calendars, we look at our plans and where's Jesus? Something else we do is we make shopping lists. Now, let's be honest about it. How many of you are done Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. Oh, two, three, four. Uh, Steve doesn't buy anything. I see. Uh, no. Five or six. Boy, we got some shoppers that got to be shopping soon, right? You make a list, a lot of you. Now, some of you may not. Some of you just go and browse and look. And you got to leave town if you get anything at Walmart doesn't sell or the hardware store, right? You got to travel down. We were looking for a wreath last night in Norwood, and they weren't to be had. I was tempted to steal one off the pole, but I knew better. <laughs> they got plenty over there. They got full Christmas trees in Norwood on the street. Y'all notice that? We're getting off subject. But anyway, you make your shopping list and you write everybody's name down. Maybe you set a budget for people. Maybe you don't. But let me ask you this. Is Jesus on your list? What about Jesus? I mean, it's his birth we're celebrating. And we're busy, man. We're giving gifts. And, and, and listen, I'm giving gifts and, and, and that's fine. But we get so distracted. So caught up in all of this stuff, we forget what we're celebrating. We forget who we're celebrating. Well, I want to challenge all of us today. I shouldn't have to challenge any of us, but I'm challenging myself and all of us today to make this Christmas about Jesus Christ. About His coming. About His gift. About His glory. About His goodness. About Him. He truly is the reason for the season. He's the reason we're here today. He's the reason we can sing today. He's the reason we can have joy and peace and hope and eternal life. Because he says, listen, I will voluntarily come. I will lay down my life. I will die for you. I'll give my life for you. I'll shed my blood for you. I'll take those beatings and mockings and all those things. I'll take your sin on me. I'll be nailed to that cross. I'll be placed in that tomb. I'll rise again victorious because I love you. I treasure you and I want you to spend eternity with me getting to know me. I want you as a child of God. And so, friend, I want to challenge all of us. Let's don't get so distracted by all the stuff. I told my wife, I think last night, I feel like it's my job every year to try to keep us focused on Jesus at Christmas time. I just did because it's seeping in earlier and earlier. Thanksgiving, we don't have Thanksgiving, we've got stuff out. It goes from from Halloween to Christmas and the stores and all, doesn't it? We're not careful, beloved. We just get so distracted. So I'm not saying don't buy gifts for your loved ones. I'm not saying don't attend us. No, do all that. But listen, keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast down our sin and enter in. 
be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us. Abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Would you bow your head and close your eyes there for a moment? Don't don't rustle papers. Don't close up shop. But just just bow your head there and close your eyes. I, I wonder, friend, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? What is he speaking to you about as you sit there? Maybe you need to receive God's gift of salvation. You've never received Jesus Christ. Let me invite you today to receive him. The greatest gift you'll ever get. It's yours for the taking. We sing the closing hymn. I invite you just to step out where you are and walk down. And and I'll just take you and place you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. They'll take a Bible and talk with you about the gospel and lead you to Christ. I want to invite you to do that today if you never have. Now, Christian, maybe you need to renew your walk with the Savior. Maybe today you've been so distracted and busy and hurried and maybe today you need to come. You need to just spend some time with the Savior. Some maybe need to make a total reorientation of their Christmas plans. If that's what God's telling you to do. Maybe you've totally admitted the Lord Jesus and the Lord's speaking to you about that today. and You need to make some changes. Maybe some just need to get along with the Lord and spend some special time with him, commune with him, talk with him. You know, we're so often like Martha, we're busy serving, getting ready. Instead of like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, just feasting on him. Maybe that's the need in your heart today. Whatever, here's what I say, whatever the Spirit's saying to you, obey without delay. Whatever the Spirit's leading you to do, obey. Begin today. In a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to have a closing song. The altar's open. You need to be saved. Come today. Let me know that. You want to come and just pray here? You want to give some things to the Lord? There's time. Would you come and just say, Jesus, I want to make Christmas about you in my home, in my life, in my family. Father, thank you for sending that baby to Bethlehem so long ago. Not just any baby. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit to have his will and way in every heart and every life in this place today. Get glory to yourself. Magnify yourself and help us to keep our hearts and minds centered upon the reason for this Christmas season. The Lord Jesus, in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing that carol this morning, number 86. Old little town of Bethlehem. You know the story behind the carol. You know the message in the carol. And God speaks to your heart today. I invite you to come. Come and be saved. Come and pray. Come and give these things to the Lord. But let's stand and sing number 86. The altar's open. You come, old little town of Bethlehem.